Well, good morning. And a very happy and prosperous new year to you all. We're in the book of Philippians, right at the start of that book. Listen to these words. We'll probably only cover the first few verses. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's ask God for his help. Father God, we come to your word. It's full of good things for us in 2021. It's going to prepare us, equip us, so that the man or woman of God can be prepared for every work you've planned in advance for us this year. We receive the good things that you have for us and all the challenges and all the work that you're going to do in us so that we can face the future with confidence. And so we pray that the speaker would decrease so that Jesus Christ of Nazareth would increase, for we ask it in his holy name. Amen. Well, welcome to a new series on the book of Philippians as we go into 2021. And uh, Philippians is often called the epistle of joy, and Paul is uh, writing a letter to the saints, the followers of Jesus Christ at the church, the now well-established church at a place called Philippi. There's a few things that I kind of have to say in advance that are going to come up right throughout this book, um, a sort of background to it very briefly. Um, Philippi was named after King Philip II of Macedon uh, in an area, the ancient area of Macedonia, uh, when he fancied a city named after himself, and he called it Philippi. He's most famous because he is the father of Alexander the Great. And then the Romans invaded, and they very quickly acquiesced and became very loyal in Philippi to Caesar and to the Roman Empire. And so it became a really popular place for ex-Roman soldiers to retire to. And if you were a Roman citizen and you lived in Philippi, you were exempt from paying taxes. And you know what happens in our world when a place is exempt from uh, paying taxes. It attracts a lot of wealthy people. And so Philippi had attracted a lot of very wealthy people. The church at Philippi came about through a supernatural intervention of God. We read about it earlier in Acts chapter 16, and you can look that up for yourselves. Paul and Timothy were missionaries, and they were so keen to preach the gospel and to establish, plant brand new churches. This was what was in their heart, and God, by His Spirit, had placed that desire in their heart. They wanted nothing less than going, just to go into all the world and tell all the Gentiles the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul and Timothy thought, well, where's lots of people? And they thought, well, Asia needs to hear the gospel. And so they just set off, let's go to Asia. But we read a very unusual thing in the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the gospel in Asia. It's a reminder to us that the people of God are a spirit-led people. 
as we begin 2021, you can have all the good ideas in the world, all the good intentions, even the best New Year's resolutions of what you're going to do for God this year and what God's going to do through you. But if it's not led by the Holy Spirit, don't fool yourself into thinking you're doing God's work. Jesus said quite a worrying thing and a warning to us. He said on the last day, there'll be many who say to him, didn't we, didn't we do miracles in your name, Jesus? Didn't, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And Jesus said, I'll turn to them and say, away from me, you evildoers, I never knew you. Because the people of God are spirit-led people. Romans 8.14 puts it so clearly. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And, and God's work done in God's way never originates in you. It originates in God. God's work done in God's way will produce the fruit that we're longing for here at Holy Trinity. That fruit that will last in people's lives. God's work done in God's way, to use Hudson Taylor's famous phrase, will never lack God's provision. We are to be a spirit-led people. Not just people with good ideas, but spirit-led. And so Paul and Timothy, they tried to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit stopped them. And then they thought, well, God obviously doesn't want us to go there. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go north to Bithynia. And a strange thing happened again. This time it says the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter Bithynia. I don't know about you, but I can get very easily discouraged in life. When God closes one door... I can get discouraged. When God closes two doors, as Paul and Timothy discovered, it's easy to get so discouraged. What is happening? But spirit-led people keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, believing that God is going to open a door for them. And that's exactly what happened because Paul and Timothy, a little bit confused and going, why, is, why would God stop us doing something good? because he had something better for them. And Paul has a vision. It's a really simple vision. He just sees a man standing on Macedonia, and he's crying out, come over and help us. And he shares the vision with Timothy, and Timothy says, "God's call. this is where God's calling us to. Let's go to Macedonia. And so they immediately set off, immediately set off, because they're spirit-led people. And where do they end up as they go to Macedonia? They end up in this city called Philippi. Whenever the apostles went to a new place, a new city, the first place they would tend to go would be to the local synagogue. And that's because many of the Jews were spread right throughout the Roman Empire. I wonder if you can think, why would the apostles go first to the synagogue? It's because... The Bible tells us that the gospel is first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. That God had chosen his people and that message was first for them, even though they rejected it. 
And the apostles continued that and went first to the synagogue. But something is interesting in Philippi that is different than the other letters that we read about to the, the Galatian church, to the Colossae church, to the Corinthian church, to the, Thessal, uh, Thess- the church in Thessalonica. When it came to the Sabbath day, they couldn't go to the synagogue because there wasn't one. And that tells us that there must have been less than 10 male Jews in that city of Philippi because they needed 10. That was the minimum amount, that quorum, that minimum amount for them to have a synagogue there. And so on the Sabbath, what did they do? They went outside the walls of Philippi, Paul and Timothy, and they find a a prayer group. People are praying, and they're praying to the God of Israel, but there isn't enough for them to have a synagogue. But they're having a prayer time on the Sabbath, and Paul starts preaching the gospel to them. And there's a lady there called Lydia. She's a seller of purple cloth. She's probably quite wealthy, as many people were in in Philippi. And the Bible tells us that the Lord opened her heart to receive the good news, to receive the gospel. And she became a believer that day. The church just started with one. It only needs to start with one. This is what happens when we're a spirit-led people. God leads us to the one. And it kickstarts something amazing. Because when we read about Paul's letter to the Philippians many, many years later, we know that that church has become fully established. It's not one anymore. Now they have overseers, traditionally bishops, and deacons in this church. We read in the opening verse here in Philippians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul has many fond memories of his time in Philippi and the amazing things, the supernatural things that God did there. And he writes this, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Partnership in the gospel, it's not simply that you do the same sort of things together. Primarily, actually, it means here that they had financial help that they gave to the Apostle Paul. They actually funded Paul, and Paul's going to make reference right throughout this book to the help he'd received, even them sending people from the church to help him in his ministry. I love partnership in the gospel. Uh, One of my great joys, this Christmas day, I got a phone call, uh, and I I was looking at the number. I didn't recognize the number. It was an international number. Usually you think that's dodgy, but I I picked up the phone anyway, and I listened, and it it was my brother, Pastor Paul in Rwanda. And he he called me on Christmas day, and it was wonderful to be able to chat to him. And he was phoning me just to say, thank you for your partnership in the gospel. And it was such a lovely conversation and about how we could do more together and how he felt the Lord saying there's more that can be be done. But thank you for that that partnership in the gospel. And when the Apostle Paul, when he remembered the Philippian church and he's writing to them a letter now, he's just filled with joy. And he says, in my prayers, I always, always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The final thing that you need to know 
um, for us to understand what's going on here in the book of Philippians is that when Paul is writing this letter to them, he is chained up in a prison cell. He's a prisoner. I picture him. One arm is, is in a chain, chained to the wall, so he can't escape. He's in Rome. The other hand, he's got a pen. And he's, he's writing a letter. And as he's writing to them, he's saying, I always pray with joy. And that's been my meditation at the beginning of the year as we begin this series on Philippians. I've got this picture of Paul and he's in that prison cell and he's able to say, I always pray with joy. I'm, I'm stuck here in a prison cell. I'm chained to the wall. Friend, nothing that has happened in this past year, COVID-19, lockdown, <laughs> isolation, Nothing is supposed to steal from us that ability to pray with joy. They took away Paul's ability to preach the gospel publicly. They chained him up, but they couldn't stop him praying. And he says, nothing's been able to steal my joy. And that, that humbles me. Because I find in my life, in my Christian walk, my joy gets stolen really easily. What's the secret? As we enter 20, what's this secret that the Apostle Paul has? That he says, I can always, always pray with joy, even stuck in a prison cell. And I started to think, what prayer would the Apostle Paul have prayed at the beginning of the year AD 63 or thereabouts when he was put in prison? Imagine he's the Apostle Paul. It's the start of the new year. And he's praying to God. I want you to imagine, what prayer would he have prayed so that when the worst happened and he gets arrested and thrown into a prison cell, he could still pray with joy? I'm thinking about my prayers at the beginning of last year, 2020. And uh, at the beginning of the year, I always pray with fasting at the beginning of the year, I pray for our church. I pray for myself. My prayers are of the level, Lord, bless me. <laughs> Lord, bless, bless my family. Bless my children. Bless, bring those who do not know you and they haven't come to know Jesus. Bring them to salvation this year. That's my longing. That is my prayer. I'm praying for the church, though, that it would grow in depth of knowledge of Jesus. Grow in numbers that more people would come to know Jesus. And I'm praying that with fasting at the beginning of the year. And I'm saying, bless me. But it's a bit of a prayer of Jabez. You know the prayer of Jabez, 1 Chronicles 4.10. Oh, Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon me so that I'll be free from trouble and free from pain. You've heard that prayer before. And, and don't hear me wrong this morning. That's a valid prayer. The Bible tells us in First Chronicles that the Lord granted Jabez his request. But when I think about those types of prayer, nothing in that type of prayer, nothing in the prayers I was praying last, uh, last year at the beginning of the year would prepare Paul for being arrested and thrown into prison. Nothing in my prayer would prepare us for going into a global pandemic and being in lockdown and being in isolation and, and being apart from one another, not being able to meet in the same way. Nothing in that prayer is going to help me when the trouble comes because I've just prayed, Lord, bless me and may it go well for me and may it be brilliant and may this be the best year ever. 
It's not that it's not a valid prayer, but it's not going to help me when the troubles come. That great servant of God and, uh, and preacher, Derek Prince, he was vexed with a very similar, pre- uh, um, similar question he had in his mind. How can I pray to the Lord so that whatever my circumstances, I do not lose the joy that Paul seemed to have all the time, even when things were just going all over the place? And he went on a prayer retreat, and he said some of those prayer times on this prayer retreat were on your own. Some of them were led by others. And he said at one point, part of the prayer retreat, a Roman Catholic nun came in to lead the prayer times, and he was kind of surprised because of the type of retreat he was on. And he said he felt all these judgments coming up within him. And then he heard this Roman Catholic nun lead him in this prayer. And this was the prayer. Lord, I pray that I not be esteemed, not be secure, not be in control. And he said the moment she prayed that prayer, he felt the Holy Spirit convict him that this was the crucified life in Jesus Christ. That a prayer that spoke into just his selfishness, into his need to have his way, into the idols of security and safety that we are so obsessed with within the West. Lord, I pray that I not be esteemed, that I not be in control. I wonder if you could pray such a prayer at the beginning of 2021. No global pandemic couldn't even touch you. (laughs) Couldn't even touch your joy. If you could be surrendered to Jesus in such a way that you could say to God, God, I'm longing for the things that I read about in this word to happen. The sort of things that happened that, that meant amazing conversions, amazing miracles, and it also meant trouble and difficulties and imprisonment. I felt myself as I read that prayer going, do I dare pray such a prayer? I mean, I know what it means. Am I willing to pay that price? And then I read about the joy. I always pray with joy to a man, a friend. He's writing to you as well. He could be writing to you. I always pray with joy stuck in a prison cell. It's probably questioning, God, what are you doing here? But I'm believing, God, you've got a bigger purpose in this. You're doing something. Lord, I pray not to be esteemed. I'm not going to worry anymore about people thinking I'm such a great Christian. Or I'm an amazing minister. I'm not going to worry about that anymore. Not to be secure. It doesn't mean about securing Christ, but that everything has to go right in this world for us to feel happy. Not to be in control. Because I've surrendered to Jesus and said, God, you're in control. I want your way because I want, I want to see the things you speak about. The things that you can do through the surrendered life.
in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And then he tells this beauty, and there's a lot of beauties within the book of Philippians. Just beautiful verses. Listen to this, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I don't know if you, as you go into 2021, are a, a really optimistic person. It's going, to be, it's going to be a much better year than last year. You're that sort of person. Or you may be a really pessimistic person. You're thinking, oh, this is going to go on a lot longer than we think. And I, I don't know what, what your personality is like. There's, a, there's an old fable uh, told about uh, a couple, and they have twin girls. And uh, the two girls, they're the opposite personality, even though they're twins. One of them is completely just, uh, she's always optimistic, always positive, and the parents always find it difficult just to bring her down a little bit and keep her feet on the ground. But the other, the other twin is totally the opposite. She's totally pessimistic about everything, miserable about everything, and they find it really difficult just to bring her up and just to bring her that in encouragement because she always saw the, the downside of things. So Christmas came around. And so, for the, for the pessimistic child, the one who was always down, they decided just to fill her room, her bedroom, with, with presents. And they just filled up the floor, just covered with presents, just knee-high, piled everywhere. But in the optimistic child's room, they filled the bedroom with manure. And so, they go in on Christmas morning, and they go into this little girl's room, she's very pessimistic, and they find her with all the presents, and she's sitting at the end of her bed, and she's bawling her eyes out. And they say, what's wrong, dear? And she said, I'll never be able to open all these presents. And then they go into the other girl's room, the optimist, and, and they find the little girl there, and she's, she's, she's digging in the manure, clearing it away, and she's saying to herself, there must be a pony in here somewhere. I've heard that story told, and, and, and I've heard preachers, and they say this quite often. They say, they say are you optimistic or are you pessimistic? Uh, well, if you follow Jesus, you become a realist and that. I, I, I think that's nonsense. I think that's arrogant nonsense. God has made us in different ways. And some of us are going to be more pessimistic than others, and some of us are going to be more optimistic. And we, we don't have to be ashamed of the way God has made us in that sense, that our personalities are, are different and when we come to the Bible, there's certain things that the Bible is very pessimistic about. The Bible is very pessimistic about human nature. I'm really glad about that because when I hear about leaders, Christian leaders falling, and it happens all the time, I'm not shocked because the Bible, and I then am, very pessimistic about human nature. That we're, we're, we're so wicked at heart. There's no limit to the things that we're willing to do to get our own way. And the Bible is very realistic, but very pessimistic about human nature. But when it comes to what God is doing in his children, when it comes to what God wants to do for you, and what, what God wants to do for you this year, the Bible is completely optimistic, and the Apostle Paul is totally optimistic. Listen to what he says, being confident of this, that he, it's talking about God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. To borrow the, the mastermind catchphrase, God's saying, I've started, so I'll finish. 
And so to every believer, every follower of Jesus who, who's ever heard someone in their family, some, maybe a friend say, this, this, this Jesus stuff, it's just a phase you're going through. Or they've heard the accuser, the enemy of our souls, whispering in our ear, you'll never be a good Christian. You'll never be a proper Christian. God will never accept you. To everyone, every believer, every follower of Jesus who's thought, I'm not going to make it, hear the word of God. Hear the optimistic word of God when it comes to what God is doing in us. He who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion. God's going to finish what he started. You see, that day you came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we, we always think we, we chose God. And in a very real sense, we did. But God had already chosen you from the foundation of the world. God had started the work. He'd initiated it. And what God initiates, what God starts, he will finish. He'll bring it about to completion. Paul's He's in a prison cell. I don't know what's going to happen this year. This 2021, it could be the best year ever. I hope it is. Praying it is. But something worse could happen. And if it happened to the Apostle Paul, that follower of Jesus, it wouldn't have stolen his joy. And so this year, it's not going to steal our joy because God's at work in us. God is with you. God is for you. God's not finished with you. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father, I'm so excited to be in this amazing, encouraging, challenging book of Philippians. This amazing letter, Lord, that just feels like it's written to us in times of difficulty to not allow the the joy stealers to steal our joy. We want to come to you at the beginning of 2021 and we want to come in full surrender with what the Apostle Paul calls the, the crucified life where I no longer live but Christ lives in me. Father, would you give us bravery to pray prayers that would have us sailing through global pandemics, have us sailing through difficulties and troubles because they always come and would have us with our joy fully intact because God is with me. God is for me. God's not finished with me. Lord, you won't give up on us and so we won't give up. You are totally optimistic about completing the work you started. And so we're optimistic about that too, that we will make it, that we will run this race, that we will see the Lord Jesus at work in our lives. And we long, Lord, to see the amazing growth and the conversions that the Apostle Paul experienced as he surrendered his life to you. May we see it this year here in Holy Trinity. Thank you for your word. May we go from this place encouraged and challenged. 
because it comes from you. By your Holy Spirit, may we be a Spirit-led people. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing as we close today of God's goodness. Let's worship God. Thank you.